0: Uh, but here's the word. This is a word from God. I'm telling you, this is it just, I've got a couple illustrations that, that the Lord gave me that I think is going to really open our eyes to something here. But I'm excited about this. And it honestly, this is not a message I'm preaching like to you. This is a message I'm preaching really to myself. And I'm just kind of letting you in on what's going on with me. Is that okay? I'm just going to let you peer in and say, okay, this is what Pastor Dallas is dealing with. All right. The title of it is Receiving... What you cannot see. Let me say that again receiving what you cannot see. It sounds easier than it is, but it's called faith. Amen? So if you'll stand for the reading of God's word, I want to come to you in Romans chapter 4, verse 13 through 22. Romans chapter 4, verse 13 through 22. And by the way, before I read the passage of Scripture, listen. Next week for Pastor Appreciation Day, Pastor Doug Combs is coming to preach the word. He is the pastor of this church. When I introduce him, we're going to hoop and holler and go crazy cuz he has they have he his heart is. He said Pat Dallas, don't ever I don't know how many times he's told me, Pastor Dallas, don't ever give us a penny. This place is paid for. We got all the money we could ever want. This is a blessing for your church. Don't ever, you ain't paying us no money ever, and you can stay till Jesus comes. We don't care how long you stay. This man has had a heart from God. Even our overseer is recognized. Man, Pastor Doug has really stepped up to the plate. So when I introduce him next week, man, I want you to join me and show your appreciation to this man of God because they have gone way above and beyond blessing us as a church. I'm super excited he's going to be here. You know, He preaches two services in the morning. And he agreed to do it. I said, I know you'll be wore out, but I appreciate you coming. And he said, I'm happy to do it. It's be my honor. So he'll be with us next week, and we're going to honor him. Amen? As he should be, because this is a beautiful place that he allows us to come and worship. Amen? So uh, we'll, we'll do that next week. But Romans chapter 4, verse 13 through 22, reading from the New King James Version, the Bible says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So through faith, not through works and what we can do. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. In other words, if you can get what you want, the promise of God, by what you're doing and by your works, then faith's made void. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith. Everybody say it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Everybody say, to grace. grace. So the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And I'll come back to that in the message. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Man, that's so powerful. Who, contrary to hope, some versions say, who against all hope in hope believed. You know, there's some times that you have no hope and you just have to somehow have hope anyways. And I'll tell you how we're going to do that here in a little while. How many of you know that that's true? There's some situations that it just seems totally hopeless and, and you just have to have hope in spite of having no hope. That's what Abraham did here. "...who contrary to hope, and hope believed, so that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be." And not being weak in faith, I have no idea how he was not weak in faith through this. He did not consider his own body already dead. Now if you study that in the Greek, what that means is he was incapable of having a child. His childbearing days was over since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb... In the Greek, her womb was dead. It was impossible for her to have a baby. This looks like a hopeless situation. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. My Lord, this guy is the champion of faith. But was strengthened in faith. Not only did he not not believe anymore, he actually was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God, praising and worshiping God, and being fully convinced. It I, blows my mind how he did this that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the next few moments, what you're going to speak to us. God, I know this is a powerful word for this hour. I know, God, that it you've given great illustrations, and I'm excited about it. And I just pray, God, that you let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. God, help us to not be... uh, 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 Hearers only, but doers of your word. I pray, Lord God, let us let the seed sprout and grow and bear fruit in our lives. Help us, God, as we walk through the tension of hopeless circumstances versus believing in faith for what you have promised. God, help us to lean on the side of faith in your word. And I pray, God, you anoint me to speak your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. God, every word from your throne. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. Hold your Bibles up and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody and say the promise is sure. Yeah. Oh, Jeremy wore inch thick coke bottle glasses. He had a perfect little bowl haircut. He was the kid in class that answered all the questions the teachers asked. He he was the annoying little kid that everybody couldn't stand. He was the teacher's pet. Well, one day at an uncharacteristic absence, and the next day he showed up to class with a huge grin on his face and a goofy looking Mickey Mouse hat. And the teacher said, Hey, where were you at? He said, Well, yesterday I went to Disneyland. She said, Really? She said, Tell me all about it. Tell the class about you going to Disneyland. He said, Well, the first thing we did when we got there was this huge, massive parking lot. He said, There had to be millions of cars there. He said, and we got on this tram, and we rode around the parking lot. And then we got off where you go to stand in line, and you buy a ticket, and that's where I bought this hat. And she said, okay, well, what did you do next? He said, well, I got back on the tram. And he said, I rode around the parking lot on the tram all day long. She said, Jeremy, she said, you rode the tram on the parking lot all day long? He said, yeah. He was all excited. She said... You didn't go through the turnstiles and under the bridge into the Main Street USA and into Tomorrowland and Frontierland? You, you didn't go and see all the park? And he stood there stumped and he said, no. And he said, was I supposed to? You know, Jeremy is a lot like a lot of Christians. Jeremy never experienced the fun of Disneyland. Because he never went beyond the ticket booth, although he had full rights to walk into a whole land of promise that was awaiting him for that day. He held his ticket in his hand. He could have gone in there at any time during the day. And all day long on the tram, he saw happy people with smiles on their faces coming out, never understanding fully why they were so happy. Faith is a lot like a ticket to Disneyland, folks. It gives you full rights and privileges to enter into a promised land of promises and things God has in store. But unfortunately, many Christians come right up to the door in a church service like this, and they sing the worship songs, and they even read the Bible during the week, and they're on the Bible plan, and they're all up to date, and they pray, but they never cash their ticket in to walk in and say oh thank you lord i'll take that healing oh thank you lord i'll take that provision oh thank you lord i'll take the bengals win tonight oh thank you lord i'll take my son being saved thank you lord oh i'll take my family coming to know you thank you lord i'll I'll take that miracle amen and amen and amen we all been given tickets as blood-bought saints of the living god the question is not are the promises true the pro- the question is will you use your ticket called faith to cash in and use that as the vehicle to get to your promises and the things that god has in store for you now i'm going to talk a little bit about faith here today point number 1 is this faith is a vehicle to live by now listen if God says something and he's put it in the Bible, how many of you think, man, that we need to pay attention. The, the Bible's in it. Even the genealogies, even the, all the little details about the tabernacle you've been reading, all those things. How many of you know God put that in there for a purpose, and it's important for us? How many of you know that if God says something twice, buckle up and pay attention? Because God's trying to get your attention. What would you say if I told you that God said something four times in the Scripture? Would you say, we better pay very close attention to what God is saying? How many would agree with that? Is that if God said something four times in the Scriptures, we better pay attention to what it is. Now, I'm going to start with the first one, and I'm going to go from there. And I'm going to let you see if you pick up on a theme here. Habakkuk 2.4. This is the only time it says it in the Old Testament. But the just shall live by his faith. Romans 1, 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. How many of you are starting to pick up there's a theme going on here? Galatians 3, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just... Hey, we're getting there. We got this. Hebrews ten thirty eight. Now the just... But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. How many of you think God expects us to live by faith? The word live is that means, it doesn't mean existence. It doesn't mean to just walk through life. It means that you live your life by faith. Romans 4.14, and I'm gonna just going to hit a couple of scriptures in this passage here and break them down for you. It says here, for if those who are of the law are heirs, in other words, if they can inherit the promise and the promised land because they're obeying the law, then faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Faith made void. Everybody say that when we say faith made void. If people are justified by the law, they cannot be by faith. And in that case, faith is useless. Because if you can get what you need from God by obeying the law, there'd be no reason for a New Testament. There'd be no reason for Jesus Christ. If we can do everything ourselves, listen, then we don't need faith and we don't need God. That is never going to happen. Never say within yourselves, well, if I can just get fill in the blank, if I can just get that big raise, if I can just get that big job promotion, if I can just get that house paid off, if I can get debt free, if I can just get my body healed, then I'll never have to have faith again. I have a question for you. Why would God tell us four times in the scripture, which is very rare, that we are to live by faith and then allow our lives to be so simple that we no longer need to believe him? Let me say that again. Why would God rarely in the scriptures tell you four times to do something, and in this case to live by faith, only to make your life so simple and so rosy and so easy, and to arrive on this earth to the point you no longer have to believe him and live in faith? The answer is he would not. Somebody say, I'm always going to have to have faith. What is a promise? A promise looks to the future, right? So in design, its design and its tendency is to excite trust and confidence in the person who makes the promise. All the promises of God have this design. And God has given us great and precious promises. And that's why he says we've got to live by faith. There are times that your kids have totally lost their minds. And you have to believe God to save them. And like... Help them not die and help you not kill them in the process. How many know what I'm talking about. Then there are times where it seems like the kids are straightened out and now you get some kind of ailment in your body. And then there are times that it seems like you get the pink slip from work and things aren't going. And it's just one thing after the other and it seems like you go in this cycle. Listen, we, as long as we walk this earth, we will have to believe God's word and trust in faith. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace... So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. It is a faith. Justification, being right in the sight of God, is by faith. You can't go out and do enough good works to get right with God. There is nothing you can do. Our righteousness is as filthy rags on our own. But we don't, good news is, we don't have to go do something. Jesus already did it. Amen. He hung on the cross, took the sin of our lives on that cross and all we got to do is believe jesus well guess what we're good in the church at believing for our salvation but the same faith that took you to get saved is the same faith that takes you to receive the promises of god in your life it's by grace it's the unmerited favor of god Listen, if people were justified by the law, then they would be saved by their own merits, and we know that's impossible. Well, in the same vein of thinking, we cannot receive any promises of God, watch this, by keeping the law or living a good life. Let me say that again. You cannot receive any promise of God by keeping the law or living a good life. You can only receive the promises of God by faith. Because every promise is by grace. How many times have you prayed and thought, God, why didn't I get this? And then in your mentality you thought, well, I must have sinned. Well, I must have done something wrong. Or the converse of that is true as well. God, you need to do this for me because I've been doing what you said do this week. This has been a good week, Lord. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I didn't cuss out the guy cut in front of me in traffic. I didn't beat my boss down to the ground with my tongue. I didn't strangle my co-worker. i am actually been nice to my family this week. God, things have been good. I've been doing good. You owe me one. That's not how God works. So what... Tell me more about faith. Point number two, and that leads me to point number two, and that is this. Faith brings things into existence, and I'm about to have some fun here. Everybody say it with me. Say, faith. Faith. Watch this. Brings things into existence. Romans 4, 17. Watch it. As it is written, watch what God says about Abraham. I have, not I will, at the point in time in which he says this, Abraham is not ...does not have a son of the promise. I have made you a father of many nations... ...in the presence of him whom he believed... ...God who gives life to the dead... ...and calls those things which do not exist... ...as though they did. He said, I have made you a father of many nations... Where do you find that at? You find it in Genesis 17, 4 through 5. He doesn't even have an Ishmael at this point in time. Genesis 17, 4 through 5, watch what the Bible says. As for me, this is my covenant with you, God speaking to Abraham. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, let me just break this down for a second. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. So God called him the father of many nations before he ever had a child. Before he ever had a promise come true. God looked down and he said, Abraham, I see something inside of you. I see something in you and Sarah's loins that you don't see in the natural yet, but I see it and because I said it, it shall happen. Now listen, it took a lot of faith, hear me, it took a lot of faith for a man who is a hundred years old and can't have children and his wife's womb is dead at 90 to still believe every time Sarah said, hey Abraham, it was a reminder, hey you're the father of many nations. Meanwhile, listen, I'm just being honest with you, Abraham's looking around he's going, father of many nations, what are you looking at? We read the story and we know the end of it. But how would you like to be Abraham? What if God spoke something so outlandish to you, Pete? And every time somebody said something to you, and you looked around and thought, man, what are they seeing? They can't be seeing what I'm seeing. Can you believe what God says about you? God says, you're the head and not the tail. But does your life feel so much like the tail that children come around with a woofle ball bat and hit you in the backside like you're a pinata? God says you're above only and not beneath, but does your life feel so low that you're looking up to see the gum on the bottom of somebody's shoes? I'm preaching to somebody's living room now. He said you're healed. But does it feel like you can't get better? No matter what you do, you're still sick, you're still exhausted, and you're still getting back doc, bad, uh, work, bad doctor's reports. He said you're blessed and highly favored. But you look at your life and you say, well, it sure looks cursed to me. My car blows up all the time. My house is in disorder. I can't get my kids to serve God. Nothing seems to be going right. sure seems and looks a lot like I'm cursed and not blessed. Am I preaching to anybody? What do you do when God says one thing about you and you look in your circumstances of your life and you see something totally different? Has anybody here ever been there or are you there now? Is anybody, am I the only one? I told you, well, maybe I am. This is good therapy for me, so just hang with me today. Can you believe what God says to you and about you when your life circumstances are screaming the opposite direction? So let me give you the illustration. What if you went up to a caterpillar and you tried to talk to a caterpillar and tell it the truth about its life? You go to Mr. Caterpillar, you maybe say something like this. Look, uh, hey dude, I know it looks like you're a worm. I know it probably feels like you're a worm. And i got to be honest right now, it looks like you're living a worm's life. But you're not a worm. Matter of fact, you're a child of a butterfly. You're not earthbound. You're a child of the heavens. How many of you think the caterpillar would believe them? See, God says things about us and to our lives that we look at like a caterpillar saying, I ain't got no wings and all I ever do is crawl around like a worm and eat this leaf. I don't know what you're smoking, but I ain't nothing but a worm. I'm preaching to somebody. Why? Because all the caterpillar has ever known is an earthbound life. You're asking the caterpillar to believe what it's never seen and to believe beyond all of its life's experiences and any of its own understandings. And do you know that's the problem in the church? God sees something in us we don't see in ourselves. Is that caterpillar heaven-bound butterfly? Absolutely it is. But to tell it when it's a caterpillar, it has no concept of what you're saying. So when God says in the book, you're free and you're bound by some kind of addiction or you're bound by some kind of lust or you're bound by some kind of pornography, you say, well, God, I hear what you're saying, but it sure don't look like it. And God says, you're healed, and the doctor keeps saying, well, you got six months to live. Well, things don't look good. Well, the MRI shows. And you look on one hand, and you say, well, I hear what you're saying, God. But in this hand, boy, it sure looks like it ain't looking good. Am I preaching to anybody? See, it's true not only for the caterpillar, but you and me. It may seem like you're living a worm's life. You may feel like a worm. To the rest of us, it may look like you're a worm, but you're not a worm. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. You may see yourself as a worm, lowly, earthbound, crawling, all those things. But folks, I'm here to tell you and I'm here to tell myself, you're not a worm. If you are born again, you are no longer a child of your circumstances. You are no longer bound by this world. You are no longer bound by what this world has to offer and what this world dictates. Why? You're a child of the Most High. You are a child of the heavens. And I know you may be in here today and say, Well, it just seems like no matter what I do, I'm a worm. I promise you, God says you're an eagle to soar. You're an eagle to soar. Now let me just pull up right in the driveway and tell you where I'm at. I see us out here in this beautiful edifice at 3 o'clock on a Sunday. I see us in the wilderness for four and a half years. I also know what it is to be in the prayer closet during a 21-day fast. And God say, man, your Rehoboth is coming. Now I know what God said here, but I know what I'm looking at here. Can I just preach to anybody? There are times I just sit in the, in the office and I just turn music on. I don't even pray. And I just sit there and I listen to the words of the praise and worship. And every now and then I say, God, I know what you said, but I, it just, I feel like the caterpillar. It's just hard anymore to see it. Is that okay? And sometimes here lately I'm just preaching and I think, God, I feel such immense pressure to go find something and to get us relocated. And I think god I can't deal with this pressure I I can't move us I don't know where you want us. I don't have a building. I don't have anything. All I got is a word. You said we got a Rehoboth. And I can't even tell you. I've shared this with the elders and with the staff. I get texts from people all the time. People I haven't seen seven, eight years. They have no idea what's going on. And they'll say, man, pastor, you've been on my heart. The droves are coming. The nets are going to break. There's so many people coming in. And I think, yes, yes. And then I show up on a Sunday when the Bengals have their playoff game at 3 and I say, where? Is it alright to be honest? Oh, it's easy to say I believe, I believe. It's a whole other thing when the drudgery of the wilderness just goes on and on. And like Paul, you say, I don't even think I hope to believe anymore. I don't know what's out there. It's this elusive thing somewhere out there. And I hear what you're saying, God, but I... Feels like I'm a worm right now. So let me illustrate. I'd like for Sonny and Donna and Pete and Haley, come on up here on the stage. I want to illustrate something. Just just stand up around here. I think I'm going to preach laying down. Man, if I had a couch... And a good psychiatrist, I could just talk for an hour, amen. (laughs) You know, it's really hard to believe the promises of God when you're laying down in life like a worm. Your perspective changes. Everything you face seems gigantic from this point of view. So you know God's put in you. Look, different than the Caterpillar, for years, year, not just a month or two, I'm, years, we pastor a church, 350 to 400 people. The church is still going strong. It's great, and I'm happy that they're doing that. So I know, okay, well, I, I, have I gotten worse as a pastor? I mean, these are the things I talk to myself about. I, I, have I forgotten how to pastor? Have I forgotten how to lead? Have I gotten worse than I was 20 years ago? It's been 20 years since we've had these kind of numbers. Have I somehow lost the touch? What, what is the problem going on here? And I have to believe, no, I'm smarter now in pastoring than I used to be. I'm wiser now in age and walking with the Lord than I used to be. I've got better leadership skills. I've got better pastoral skills. So it can't be about what I can do. It's just got to be about the grace of God and the timing of God, right? And you get all these people in the church here have dreamed that, man, that the church passed. There's people in here right now that would tell you, men of God, that you would know and you would say, yes, praise God, that have had dreams about our church, two in a row, where there were so many people, we had to turn them away at the door. So, okay, God, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. But right now, I just kind of feel like a worm. And the realtor ain't giving us a whole lot to look at. What he gives us is is laughable and so what's going on? And you sit here and you look at all these. We're going to represent these four as problems. Everybody look at your problems here, right? So at all these problems in life. Welcome, everybody. And do you know how big these problems look to me right now? Because my point of view is here. You know what the Lord told me this week? That I'm not the only one that feels like you're on the bottom of the ground like a worm. And everything that comes at you in your life seems so massive. Now, I've done a lot of Krav Maga training, and they'll tell you this is not the place to be in a fight. Right? So I've been trained. I can still blow out your knee from right here. But what they want you to do is they want you to get up. Right? So if I had to, I could kick all of them. I could blow their knees out. But they want you to get up. And they want you to get on your feet. You know what? you alls problems don't look so big and insurmountable anymore. They don't look as daunting to me anymore. One, because I'm taller than all of y'all. Now instead of looking up to my problems, now I'm looking down to them. All I had to do was get on my feet. And that's what God is calling us to do as a people and as a congregation. If you'll just get up on your feet and glorify the Lord through praise and worship and believe him through faith. All of a sudden, what you thought was so daunting in your life will now seem like, you don't look so bad to me. Amen. <laughs> Give it up for our problems today. Amen. <laughs> Is that all right today? God said, and whom do you believe? He believed in God. God who gives life to the dead. Life there is animate life. It's revitalized. It's Zoe. Now, we know physically he brought Lazarus to life, Jesus to life, so we know physically. But, but spiritually, Ephesians 2, he's brought us to life spiritually. Someone say amen. Through faith, God will bring life to your dead life, to your dead marriage, to your dead son or daughter, to your dead ministry to your dead hope, to your dead job. I love John eleven twenty five. Look what the Bible says here. Jesus said to her, I am. Not I was, not I will be, not if you do things just enough right. No, he said, I am. Everybody say, I am. I, am. I love this. The resurrection and the life. In other words, you may be down on the floor right now, But God says, I will resurrect you. I'll pick you back up on your feet and let you stomp the devil under your feet. Somebody say amen. It's a work of grace. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. The Bible says that he would call those things. What things? What is is faith? Look what Hebrews 11:1 says. Now faith. That's the key two words right there. Now faith. Listen, it doesn't take anything to believe. Well, maybe in the summer we'll get a building. Yeah, well, it doesn't take anything. Well, you know, five years ago God did that. Uh-uh. God, now faith is about right now. Can we believe that things might change today? Can we believe we might get a phone call tomorrow? Who knows? Maybe we get a phone call this week that says, Your building's ready. Park the trailer out front. We'll see it air Sunday. Hallelujah. Woo! (laughs) Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Things hoped for, those are promises believed in, things you're believing for. Listen, faith is confidence in the invisible. Faith is acting like God's telling the truth, even when you view life like a worm. Even when you say, I'm a worm, everything in my life is going the worm's way. Yet God said, He's called me to be an eagle and soar, so I don't know how, somehow I'm just going to believe Him anyways. How do you believe in hope contrary when you have no hope? Here's what you do. You find scriptures and you declare them and you just say, God, I'm like the guy that says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Look, I ain't going to quit, God. Nowhere does it say that you're going to believe 100% the whole time. There are times that your faith is going to get shaken. But don't negate it with your negative words and just believe God. Just tell God, God, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like a worm in this area right now. I don't have wings yet. Maybe you'll put wings on me tomorrow, but right now I'm just a fuzzy little green thing eating a leaf. Am I preaching to anybody? Am I the only one? Am I just preaching to myself here? I don't know. Maybe it's the Bengals jersey. I don't know. It's too old. It's got the former player on it, doesn't it? Tell Tracy that. It's his jersey. A man fell off a cliff. and He grabbed a limb on his way down. He was hanging on. and In desperation, he hollered. He said, is anybody up there? He heard a voice said, yes, I'm here. I'm the Lord. Do you believe me? He said, Yes. Yes, I believe you. He said, Okay. Well, if you believe me and you trust me, let go of the branch. The man got really quiet, and after about 30 seconds, he said, Is there anyone else up there? Isn't that like us? God says, just believe. Listen, and on a Sunday, in a moving, so we say, yes, yes, I believe. And then Tuesday morning happens, and we say, is there anybody else? There's, it's, it's what you're believing for, but it's the evidence of things not seen. I'll just be a few more minutes. I'm cognizant of the time and the parties. Evidence of things not seen. That's the full, watch this. Full assurance of those things you're believing God for. It's full trust in the promise you cannot see. It's a confirmation. It's a confirmation number. Listen, when you book a hotel to go out of town, they will send you an email with a confirmation number. You can go in full peace knowing that as long as you have that confirmation number, there is, watch this, something you cannot see Waiting on you. You can't see it. You can't touch it. It's not in front of you. But you will get on an airplane and go to that city. And because you have a confirmation number, you have full trust and confidence that what you can't see, you can't touch, you can't feel is waiting on you. Man, I want to tell you that's what the Bible and the scriptures are to us. Come on, somebody the devil will tell you you're going to die of some sickness. Well, the substance of things hoped for is God to heal my body. But do you have a confirmation number? Are you ready? Just like a confirmation for a hotel, here's your confirmation for healing. 1 Peter 2, 24 is your confirmation number. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being di- having died to sins might live unto righteousness or for righteousness by whose stripes, watch this, you were healed. But pass The doctor said, the MRI showed. The cancer doctor says, I know, but you've got a confirmation number that says there's something you're entitled to that you can't see, you're not experiencing yet, but it's yours. So the doctor may say you're a worm, but you've got a confirmation number that says you're an eagle. wish somebody would catch this. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Well, I'll preach just a few more minutes here. The devil tells you there's no hope. Well, the substance of things hoped for is, God, give me hope again. There's a confirmation number. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. And peace and believing, watch this, that you may abound, not have a little, not a little dabble, do you? But abound in what? Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, go to your prayer closet. Be honest with God. He knows how you feel anyways. I've never understood why people don't be honest with God. I go to the prayer closet. I say, God, I don't have any hope for this no more. But you said you would give me hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful my hope is not based on what I can generate, but what what the Holy Ghost will put inside of me. Woo! Woo! Oh, the devil will tell you you're never getting out of debt. You're never going to have enough. You won't be able to pay your bills. You're not going to be able to put food on the table. Well, what's the substance of things hoped for? Well, I want God to provide you. Amen. Do you have a confirmation number? Yes, I have evidence. Philippians 4 19. And my God shall supply all your need. Watch this. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God, financially, I feel like a worm. I don't know where I'm going to get the next meal. I don't know how I'm pay the bills. And God says, you've got a confirmation number. Watch this. It's not based on what you can generate. It's not based on what you're capable of, but it's based on a promise over there according to his riches and glory. Amen. Hold your Bible up and say, I've got confirmation numbers. Amen. That's what you do when you feel hopeless about something. You pull out that confirmation number and say, Well, I'm not even sure I believe it right now. And it sure feels like I'm a worm. And I can't even get my faith up. But God, here's what you said. And I choose to believe it. Look, this is real stuff here. How did Jesus defeat the devil? With the word. Many people, listen, will tell you, confessing scriptures is a waste of time. Oh, you're one of them blabbing and Well, so Listen, some of those same people, their kids, none of them are saved. They're in debt. Their health is failing. Listen, I'm just going to speak the scriptures. What have I got to lose? If I don't speak the scriptures and believe them, they ain't nothing changing in my life. So I might as well speak what God speaks, and maybe one day I'll find that I got wings to fly like a butterfly. Maybe one day while I'm soaring in the air, I'll say, well, I don't feel like a worm no more. Matter of fact, I ain't crawling on a leaf no more. I'm soaring through the air. Woo, somebody say amen. Matthew 6, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Listen, if God intended for you to receive everything and once you get to heaven up there, then why when you get saved doesn't He just take you up? It's because He wants you to have things here on earth. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God. That is God's supreme, powerful rule. His way of doing things. And His righteousness, that means a right relationship with Him. That is the problem with some faith. There's no righteousness. They're not doing things God's way. And there's no faith as a result. So he said, watch this. He said, you call those things which be not as though they are. Say that with me. Say, calling those things which be not as though they are. Do you know what that means? That means if you get a bad doctor's report, you say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. That means when the devil says you'll never get the house paid for, you'll always be in debt. I'm debt free in Jesus' name. Let me, uh, uh, Pastor, you don't, let the devil say, your children, I got them, man. They lost their minds. They are crazy, and you probably gonna, I'm going to use you to kill them and put them in the grave. Yes, I am. And they're nuts, and they've lost their minds, and they'll never be right. Uh-uh. In Jesus' name, God said, me and my household will be saved. I may not see it. It may not look like it, but it will be in Jesus' name. Is anybody hearing this? Somebody say amen. Dallas, you done led all them people for four and a half years. You got them out of Harrison at three. There ain't no building in sight. There ain't no nothing. In Jesus' name, he said we got a Rehoboth coming. He said we're going to go and spread abroad to the right and left. And I may not see it, but I shall have it. And the nets will break. And we'll see thousands saved. We'll see deliverance. We'll see miracles. My God, I'm gonna believe God. Woo! Yeah. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. He said, He said, listen, God spoke of it as if it was already done. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. Not I will, not maybe. I have. I don't pretend to know what the Rehoboth looks like. Or where it is. But I know God gave me Genesis 26, And he gave me Isaiah 54, 1 through 5. We would spread abroad. Burst forth to the right and left. And we... The one with no descendants would be the one that will have more descendants than those who already have descendants. That's what that passage says. Well, it don't look like it now. I know it looks like a worm, but God said it, and I know we're going to sprout butterfly wings, and we're going to fly. Woo! Romans 4, 18-22 again. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. And you can read the rest of that later. My last point here, number three, and we're going to pray. is a very short point. Faith sees what it speaks. Now you can't just say any old thing. You've got to speak the word of God. But if you speak the word of God, faith will see what you're speaking. Everybody say it. Say, faith Faith sees sees. what it speaks. speaks. Genesis 1, and I won't read all of it. I just want to show you a pattern very quickly, and we're going to pray. Genesis 1, 3, then God what? Genesis 1, 6, then God? Genesis 1, 9, then God? Going to the next one. Genesis 1, 11, then God? Genesis 1, 14, then God? Genesis 1.20, then God. Yeah. Genesis 1.24, then God. Yeah. Genesis 1.26, then God. Yeah. Genesis 1.31, going on to the next one. Then God. What did he see? Everything he said. Let me say that again. What did he see? Let me say it again. What did he see? God saw something no one else saw. When you speak God's word, it connects with the power of God and things happen. How many of you want to see what you're saying? Jay Hudson Taylor, closing story. He was a missionary to China. He was on his way to preach somewhere, and the winds died, the sailing stopped, and they were drifting toward what was known as cannibal islands. The natives were on the seashore, and they were there just waiting for a good meal. The captain of the ship said, hey, Brother Taylor, the father of modern missions, you got to pray. We need some wind. Man, we we're getting close to that island, and them jokers will lead us. He said, I will pray, provided you set the sails. The old captain of the ship said, I ain't going to set no sails with no wind in sight. I'll be the laughing stock of this boat. He said, okay, well, I ain't praying. He said, you don't set the sails and do something to act like God's going to answer our prayer. I ain't doing it. captain said, fine, I'll set the sails. He set the sails. Brother Taylor started praying, and he heard a knock on the door. Reverend Taylor, are you still praying? Yeah, he said, well, you better stop. There's so much wind, we can't control it. I wonder how many of us never see the wind blowing in our lives because we never set the sails. Man, I preached my heart out. It's 420. You got two hours and 10 minutes to get to the ball game. But this is serious business right now. I I Listen, I opened up. I let you see in all my, I told the elders before church, I said, I I just feel like a pregnant woman. I'm pregnant with something and I'm just miserable. I'm just miserable every day. Everything kicks me off. I'm irritable. And I know because I've been in the ministry 25 years. I, I, I didn't realize it was 25 years. August would be 25 years I've been in ministry. You know, 70% of ministers never make it 25 years. I guess, Holly, we're, we're just stubborn enough not to quit. And we've made it thus far. Amen. We're, we're in the top 30% of those who didn't quit. Amen. I praise God for that. Amen. I do. I praise God for that. We really are. 70% of ministers never make it this far so I've been doing this a long time listen I know what it feels like to be spiritually pregnant with something and about to give birth to something special I know what it is to pastor listen hear my words I know what it is to pastor 350 to 400 people year in and year out what God's going to do here is bigger than that and there's something about to birth and I just you you ladies know what I'm talking about you're a nine month you you just it don't matter what you eat don't matter what you just get this thing out of me that's where I'm at in life right now just do something just just birth this thing tired of being a worm I know the struggle to get from a worm to a butterfly means I gotta break through the cocoon fine but let's just can we just do it and move on that's where I'm at what about you I don't know, but I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. There's time.